So yeah, so we're going to look at stories today, or in, in the Bible they're called parables. And uh, we, I love it, I love a good story, don't you? Don't stories just attract you? I mean, whether they're film, or whether they're books, or whether they're pictures, you know, or, or whatever, whatever they are, um, you know, stories grab us don't they? they? They attract us. Just give me, give me an idea of some of your favourite stories. Might be a film, might be a book, might be a picture, might be a song. I love, you know, I love songs that tell stories, don't you? Yeah? I find people like Adele tell stories and, um, and Ed Sheeran tell stories in songs. So just give me films, films first of all. Untouchables. Untouchables. Okay. Why? Untouchables. What else? What else? What the what? The Lord of the Rings. The Lord of the Rings. Yes, yeah. And that's got you know. There's meaning at lots of levels, isn't there? You, you know, like I like films that that make me make me think beyond the actual narrative, beyond what is being uh, you know what the words are on the page or the or the script is. They're they're you know they touch you in different ways. Um, I saw what did I see the film the other day. Um, Hacksaw Ridge, which is a war film, yeah, but it's it's really about faith and protection. You know, it's about a guy being protected who refused to um, take up arms, but was a soldier and saved seventy people without without a gun. So you know, there's there's faith and there's there's the the sort of sovereignty and protection of God. That's not part, you know, not the main script of the story. Um, what else? Any other any other books that people? Hold on, who who have we got? Yeah, that's great, isn't it? Love stories <laughs> and and social comment and things. But sorry, what what other people say? Wind in the willows. Wind in the willows. Oh, that's good. What's that? Go on then. What's what's attractive about it? You like toad. <laughs> There are characters, aren't there, that we pick out and go, we like them. And there's baddies. I like baddies. They're, you know, we don't like them. Um, what else? Did somebody else say a book? Hunger Games. Hunger Games. Yeah. That, that's a, a great commentary on, on sort of where we are today, isn't it? You know, and the, the how, how people are feeling. And there's lots of films that are quite, and books that seem quite desolate, but they reflect what people are thinking today and those are you know really important uh, any songs any musicians sorry we're going through the whole gamut here of, of stories aren't we? Whiskey in the jar. who whiskey in the jar, in the jar. <laughs> thin lizzie yeah. okay <laughs> why good and it sounds good all the all the all the key ingredients isn't it what, what other songs musicians Carol. Yeah, yeah, that's brilliant. I love it, and there's a real message comes out under that, isn't there? Isn't there? Sorry. Oh right, sorry. That was the Joshua tree. Why you too? So, well done. Good choice. One of my favourites. What else? Any other songs? He ain't heavy. He ain't heavy. Yeah, yeah. Who's that by? The the Hollies. I thought so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 
yeah, so you're supporting him, aren't they? Okay, so um, finally, are there any pictures that speak to people? Any, any, you know, if you sta- I, find, I do find standing in front of a really well-known picture, you, you get a real sense of there's a story being told here. Yeah? So, you know, it's communicating. Go on. Okay, yeah. The Sistine Chapel. There's lots. Good. Um, so pictures attract us, don't they, as well? So I, and Jesus was um, the preeminent storyteller. Yeah, story, it's interesting, isn't it? Lots of... Um, they said the pen is mightier than the sword. Yeah? And it's interesting how around the globe, you know, lots of people, lots of authors are imprisoned simply because of what they write. And Jesus was killed, wasn't he, because of what he said and what he did. And his stories, they really got to the people who didn't like him as well as the people who did like him. So stories are incredibly powerful. They overthrow, you know, they're enough to overthrow nations. You know, you, you have people like in Czechoslovakia, Václav Havel, who became their president, who was in prison because he wrote about and against that, that, that regime. Um, you know, others like Solzhenitsyn in the past as well. So, you know, words are incredibly, incredibly powerful, and um, and have a have a great um, uh, opportunity to bless and an opportunity not not to bless, and if we see beyond them. So, so I want to look at um, at some verses. I'm going to look at um, some verses in Matthew, and it's going to come up on the screen. Um, from Matthew chapter 13. And the, the overall structure of this is that um, Jesus comes and sits in a boat. You have to sit in a boat because if you stand it will wobble, won't it? Yeah. So, so he's going to sit in a boat and he talked to the people. And um, he told them a parable. And then, so there's the parable of the sower, which is really well known. They told them then his disciples came to him and said, um, why do you talk to these people in parables? Why don't you just tell them straight you know, what it's about? And, and Jesus explained that. And then he goes back to explain the, par- the parable. And just by way of, of sort of, if you like, a technical um, uh, construction here, because Hebrew and, uh, and, and, this, and Matthew in particular is quite poetic, there's a structure here, and often the main point is in the middle of the section not, you, know, you know sometimes you have it, you think oh that's been repeated at the top and repeated at the bottom of a section just a little secret look in the middle because that will tell you what it's about yeah because it builds it's a, it's a device they used all through the Old Testament and, and some of the New Testament writers um, but, so I'm going to look at the middle bit in particular so I'm going to read um, verses I'm not going to deal with the parable itself. I will probably, I'm picking in two weeks' time, so I might get some of the kids who are here, we'll involve them in the service, and we'll get them to act out some of these parables. Okay? So I'm uh, not sure how that will work. That's just an idea. We'll see how it, how it goes. Um, if there's no kids here, then it'll be up to the adults. Okay? That'll attract you, won't it, to come? Um, so let's read from um, a Matthew's uh, Gospel. 
And I'm going to read verse 1 to 3, and then we're going to skip on to verse 10. It said, um, That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered round him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. And then he told them many things in parables, in stories. And then if you jump on to verse, verse 10, after the, the parable, it says, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak to the people in parables? He replied, Because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven have been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts and turn and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. For truly I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see but did not see it and to hear what you hear but did not hear it. And then he goes on to, in the rest of the passage to, to explain what the parable of the sower uh, means for his disciples who are obviously a bit thick. Um, so, but I'm going to focus on, on, on this section. And it is quite a difficult section, isn't it, the passage? Um, because it, it, you know, it's saying things that, that we perhaps might find slightly um, challenging to us, the, the, the concept of them. So I hope to try and unpack some of those um, and then we'll, we'll look at, at the passage in a bit more detail. But basically, this is a turning point for Jesus. First of all, um, he was no longer welcome in the synagogues. So he had to go out to the lake and he found a spot that he could preach from. So he was getting kicked out. You know, People were reacting to him in the synagogues. And it's a bit like John Wesley and people like, like George Whitfield who ended up preaching in the fields um, because they weren't accepted in any of the churches. Their message wasn't accepted. So he's getting increasing opposition, increasingly difficult to find places to meet. And, um, and that's the case with many people around the world, isn't it, actually? And also he started speaking in parables. And he started initially... Um, before this, this section, there were some parables. He used things like salt and light and um, the wise builder. He talked about birds and, uh, and things like that. And, and it's almost as like he's building up to, to full-blown, really impactful um, uh, sort of parables. So he's almost starting with, with sort of proverbs and moving into para parables. And there's a lesson for us there, isn't there? We can start with little things. Certainly when we use, say, the prophetic round here. You know, we have, people have pictures, but we actually want people to go further and to start to say, well, what does it mean? What does the person do? What does the, what's the impact of this? And, and in a way, Jesus, you know, we think Jesus got the download, like, like, um, like the Matrix, you know, he got a download from God to say, 
you know, just, just, you know, from birth, he was, he was all these things. But there's actually a sort of process that he goes through, and a process that we need to go through to develop our gifting. And we'll, co- we'll come back to that a bit, bit later. But, you know, he's given us gifts, but we need to practice them, don't we? We need to build on them. We need to develop them. We need to, um, to, to get them, you know, really mature. It doesn't just happen just like that. Unfortunately, I'm sorry, guys. It's, uh, you know, we have to learn stuff. Um, so the disciples in verse, verse 10, we'll start on verse 10, and I'll actually just run through um, some of these. Um, so in verse 10, the disciples come to him and say, why do you speak to the people in parables? And it's almost a question we, we quite often say to God, why don't you make this stuff far more obvious to people? Why don't you just come down and just talk to us and just, and just sort of appear and you know, just make it totally, totally obvious to us? And that's, that's not a bad, a bad question. And I, I think I dealt with it. I, did, I had the challenge of dealing with that question at some point in the past. But it is, it is a good question, isn't it? But I just want to look at it from the perspective of the, the stories that Jesus told and the parables that he told. Um, and, and just some of the, some of the benefits um, that, that, he, that there are from parables, from stories. You know, we, we're talking about, you missed telling stories, didn't you, that, that bit? But we're, we're gonna have some, we can have some stories later. But um, the, the point about them is God wants us to discover him for ourselves. He wants us to discover who he is and what he's like. It's not a, you know, up in lights thing. It's a, you, you come, and, come and search me. Come and, come and get to know me. Um, again, it's not a download. It's, we're not downloading immediately, I know God fully. Let's, you know, he wants us to, it's a voyage of discovery that we're on. And if it wasn't, we would be in a dictatorship. We would be bored to tears. It's a voyage of discovery. The thing about parables, and I just want to pick out a number of points here, um, is they make truth concrete. How do you describe to people beauty? How do you describe love? You know, how, how, do, how do you describe goodness? You don't, do you? You point to people who are good. You, you show love. You point to, you, to a picture of mountains. You tell people, you, you, you demonstrate these feelings in different ways and these emotions in different ways. Um, but, it, but it makes things um, concrete, the stories. It makes things real to people. And um, the Bible says about Jesus, it says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the Word was, was God. It talks about the, in John's Gospel, the Word was God, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And we can't understand God. Yeah? We're, we're puny little human beings. He is, he is vaster than the universe. But the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he came to show us what, what, what love was like. He came to show us what God was like. And if we want to see God, you know, we look to Jesus. 2,000 years ago, we would have seen him. We would have seen God. But we have a record now. We have stories now. We have an account now. 
that helps us to see what he's like. We have people's experiences now that shows us what he's like. We have demonstrated to us the love of God through Jesus, through that, that communion meal, uh, but through each other as well. As well. Um, stories show things we don't understand in ways that we do understand. A lot of the stories are about the kingdom of heaven. I've never been to heaven. Has anyone here been to heaven? Does anyone here fully understand what heaven's like? No. You know, but Jesus taught these parables, and a lot of them he said, the kingdom of heaven is like this. The kingdom of heaven is like this. The place where I rule, he's saying, is like this. And he's making things we don't understand concrete through telling us about things that we do understand. So the sower, you know, that's a, that was a typical picture in that, in that time. The um, uh, others, you know, the, the, the guy with weeds in his fields, that's a common occurrence, isn't it? There are things that we can grasp to help us see the things that we can't grasp. And that's, again, the other huge benefit of, of stories, the huge benefit of, of, of what it's like. It shows us what, it's, what the characteristics are um, of obeying Jesus. It te- a lot of the parables tell us that some of the things won't work out, that some of the things are difficult if we're going to obey him and, and follow him. But it shows us the characteristics that we need to have if we are to, to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth and it talks about bringing heaven to earth and how can we demonstrate those characteristics and also this this sort of mechanism of of um, helping us to see the unseeable through things so unknowable to things we do know um, Jesus particularly in these stories begins with where we're at to take us to where we ought to be so I'll say that again he begins with where we are at to take us to the place where we ought to be he wants to take us to that point of obedience to, to dwelling in the kingdom of heaven and sorry kingdoms have kings kingdoms have lords kingdoms have people who, who, who are obeyed now Jesus didn't, didn't come and say here's a load of laws to obey he came and told stories and said, this is what it's like. We need to say it in, in language that people understand, don't we? I was talking to somebody the other day, and um, Jan said to me, she told me off, she said, you can't use that word. It was some really long religious word. I can't remember what it, what it was. But... But the people we were talking to, she said, they won't understand that. You have to talk, we have to bring things to where people are at. We have to start where people are in order to take them to where they ought to be. We can't expect them to be where we are and then to, to take it from there. You have to start where people are at in order to take them on this, on this voyage, on this journey. Stories compel interest. You've seen it, haven't you? You said it earlier on. The stories that you, that you, that you like um, compel interest. They compel people to listen. 
Our stories compel people to listen. Our stories can be compelling. The stories that we've had shared here every week for the last year pretty well, uh, yeah, sort of are compelling. They're, there was one this week, wasn't there, of, of Janet, I think, was it this week? Where you, you, you spoke to that guy who was near the tube. I presume he was, he was you know, begging for, for something. Yeah? Those stories, those stories, they're compelling. They, they attract us. They say, you know, God is, God is here. God is on the move. They say, you can be brave. They say, you can do this. They, they, you know, they, they say, let's be ready to do all this. They, they are compelling, compelling things. And we love, love stories. Children love stories. Our kids and our grandkids now, they love stories at night. They won't go to bed without a story at night. It just doesn't work, does it? Has anyone, anyone got their kids to bed without a story at night? No. Nah. If you have, come and, you know, come and see me. I know the secret. And then also we must discover truth, as I said earlier, um, we must discover truth for ourselves. The things I learnt at school, I learnt more, and the ones I remember are the ones where I did it. Preaching is a very, very ineffective art. I should say, yeah, uh, you know, you need to come and do it, and then you can. You'll probably, it will be much more meaningful. Um, the but in in school, it was the field trips I went on. It was the projects I did in work. It's the things where I was, you know, given responsibility to do things, not told to do things. We don't respond. I don't respond very well to being told to do something. But it's the things where we get to do things. We get to try it out. We get to experiment. We get to, um, to be involved in it. And that's the same, you know, whether it's work, whether it's home, whether it's family. Um, those are the things we learn. And we discover them for ourselves. And God wants us to discover him for ourselves. And stories start to take us there. Start to take us to that place where we can discover what he's like. And if he came down and said, this is what I'm like, guys, blah, 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 <coughs> it wouldn't work, would it? It wouldn't work. You know, we would, most people would, as they do generally, would ignore him, I bet. So I don't think it would make a blind bit of difference. But if you help people to discover him for themselves, then you've got a lifetime of commitment, a lifetime of, of people um, knowing him. <coughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm trying to cough into the microphone. <coughs> All right. <coughs> Sorry for those on the um, on the audio. I'm just trying to stop coughing and drinking water. <laughs> Good. The problem. The, one of the the main problems is. Is, and I think it's a, a device of Satan, is that we don't think. You know? we, we want things on a plate. We live in a society, don't we, where we get stuff delivered to us. You get your groceries delivered to you, for goodness sake. You, you know, everything is like instant. I can look on the internet. I, get, you know, I could do it now if I have my phone. You, you know, look something up. Um, everything is instantaneous. I don't have to, pursue, have to do much effort. Thinking takes effort, and um, I've got a. There's, it wasn't. It isn't just a problem for us. It was a problem in in uh, New Testament times. 
There's a verse in Hebrews, which I think I've got there, Cole, I think, in uh, Hebrews chapter 5. It says, it's a, Paul, uh, no, sorry, whoever wrote Hebrews is talking to them. I think it's Apollos. He said, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you because you no longer try to understand. You're no longer thinking. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And the message translation of that um, that first verse is, I have a lot more to say about this, but it's hard to get it across to you since you've picked up the bad habit of not listening. As ever, quite, quite direct. Um, and I think, I'd, I'd say, of thinking as well. You know? Just because things are difficult to understand doesn't mean that we shouldn't try. And I would encourage you to, you know, it, rather than the difficult things, and we are dealing with a difficult part of God's word here, but rather than avoid them, let's try and think through them. Let's discuss them. Let's say what our issues are with them. Let's, let's try and discover how other people see them. But let us, for goodness sake, please don't stop thinking. Please don't think, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know it, I don't understand it, I'll not try and discover it. Because life is a voyage of discovery. Mysteries are, be, are to be discovered. The mysteries of God are to be discovered. And you don't discover them, you know, by not thinking. You don't discover them by not acting either. And, and I would just say it's, a, it's a, a, a device of Satan, I think, to stop people thinking. Of, of putting it in the too, we talk about putting it in the too difficult box. And I would say, let's take it out of the too difficult box and let's try to deal with it. You know, and this passage I'm dealing with today is in the too difficult box, actually. Um, that's why I chose it. Parables were spoken. Parables required us to open our mouths. Stories require us to open our mouths. And again, I think it's a device of Satan to stop us from talking about what we do, what we believe, who we are, how we feel, and what we're, what we're doing, and how we've got over the problems. Yeah? Parables are to be spoken, that we are to speak them out to people. We are to tell. Um, we are not to be, uh, not to be silent. And the, the, the problem with you know, blindness and deafness as that, that Hebrews verse said, you know, you're not listening. The problem with blindness and deafness is it allows us not then to speak. And there's a fantastic story, a bit of healing in the previous chapter, in, in, um, in chapter 12 um, of, of Matthew, where the man who is dumb and blind gets healed. And the problem with, and it's quite unusual that, isn't it, to be dumb and blind? Normally you're deaf and dumb, but he was dumb and uh, blind and, and didn't speak. He might have been dumb as well, I don't know. But what Jesus did, he healed him so he could see, and he healed him so he could speak. And if there's people here who, who find it hard to speak about what they believe, then Jesus can heal you. And in that verse in Isaiah, he talks about, they could turn to me and I would heal them. 
the quote that's quoted in Matthew's gospel. They would turn to me and I will heal them. And he showed it in the previous, in the previous chapter, if you want to read it, um, of saying, I healed a blind man, of he healed a blind man and a, and a dumb man. So he could speak. Um, the rest of it is, is in, from verse 11, is a really difficult passage to, to understand because it seems to be saying, it gives the impression that God um, made people not hear. And it's even more marked in Mark's version of this and in Isaiah's version. Because on reading it, it's saying, saying, God made people like this. So why, you know, why, why, you know, why is he now condemning them? Um, because that's the way that, that it's, I read it. And I just want to sort of, and it's, as I said, this is in the too difficult box, isn't it, this one? Because when you read it, you go, yeah, <laughs> God is making people like that. But I just want to, um, I just want to pick out why I think that the interpretation we put on it is wrong. First of all, it's a point of love that um, that does not impose its will on people. You know, that love says you are free, and the effect is you are free not to listen. Jesus never ran after, I don't recall him running after people and saying, you're not listening to me, you're not listening to me. You know, love allow, does not sort of um, cross over that free will that people have. So I think this is a, a loving um, uh, reaction because it doesn't impose its, love does not impose its will on other, on other people. Um, we'd love people to, to, to listen we love people to respond. If you're here today and you, you know, this is new to you, the gospel that we've been singing about, then we don't want you to walk away. But love says you are free to. You are, you are free to, to walk away. Um, you know, some, you know, we've had the Spanish Inquisition before where people are forced to convert. Islam forces people to convert. We say, you, you know, love, we love you. We will not impose our will on you. We would love you to, to respond to Jesus. But we, we, we won't impose our will on you. We respect it. The other thing is that Jesus wanted them to understand. Um, you know, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Logically, to think that, you know, Jesus came and said, I'm going to tell you this so you don't understand it. I'm going to tell you all this stuff so you don't understand it. I mean, that's, his, whole, his whole motive was, was that people understood and responded. People were turning away from him in droves, um, but, but he wanted them to understand. So it is, it's absolutely ridiculous to have an interpretation that says his intent was to, um, to make people not, not believe. Yeah? To walk away. And... The thing about uh, in, in Jewish culture is, is that um, often a, uh, a consequence is expressed as a purpose. So lots of things that have, are the consequence of something are, are phrased as a purpose. And you find it quite a lot in the Old Testament. You certainly find it in that, in that um, verse from Isaiah that, that Matthew is quoting that a consequence is, is 
often referred to as a purpose. And there's one reason for that, is that God is sovereign. That the Jews particularly understood that God was sovereign. And although it is not his purpose and his, and his motive that people should not believe, he is sovereign even in those situations. So he, he is sovereign even in, you know, you prayed about it earlier on, I think, Felix, about Kenya. You know, we want him to be sovereign no matter what, what the result is. And God is moving the whole of history towards a climax. But that allows for um, bad things and good things to happen. And, um, he, you know, he, he wants... Um, so, so when it says, uh, you know, be ever hearing, so, you, know, you will not hear, you will not hear, um, that's, a, that's a consequence that's expressed, you know, as a purpose. I'll leave that there. But also, that just reflects reality, doesn't it? The reality for Jesus and for, for, for Isaiah as well was that as they went out and preached, more and more people turned away. They started off quite popular and then they, they were subject to quite a lot of opposition. Ultimately for Jesus, it meant he was, he was killed. Op, you know, ultimately for Isaiah, it meant he was banished. So... Um, so the consequence was what is described. The consequence is that people are not listening. The consequence now is that people choose to, to be blind and to not see. And, um, uh, and, and you know, that's, that's the reality. So these verses aren't to be taken as an attempt by God to stop people believing they're the consequence of, of him actually wanting people to believe, of preaching the gospel to them, that, that some people will not look, they will not hear, they will not see, they will not understand. And, and that just reflects the reality of where we are. There are people nowadays, some, some hear, some understand. There are lots of people who, who don't want to hear and don't want to don't understand. In verse 11 here, it says, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom are given to you. The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom are given to you. And that, that's, he was talking to his, to his disciples there. So those who believe in him, the way in to this access to this mystery is through, the, through belief in Jesus. So that, that's, the, that's the way in. And, um, but he then says in verse 12, he says, Whoever has will be given more, and you will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And again, that reflects reality, doesn't it? That if you have, um, and it's a principle of the kingdom as well, the kingdom of God, that the more you have, the more you'll be given. The more we develop our gifts, the more we'll be given. The more that we, um, that we love other people, the more that we pray and see people um, healed, the more we'll be given. And it's a principle of the kingdom that, that we, we live in a point of abundance. It's also a, a reality. That's the reality here, isn't it? You know, people who study go on to study more, go on to, to, to better things. People who practice a sport get better at it and, and, and get better in it. So this is not a sort of religious thing. It's a, it's a fact of life that people who have will be given more. The point here is we'll be given more, we'll have in abundance. 
because it's God who's the provider of all those things that we need. It's also reality that if you don't practice something, you don't do something, you'll lose it. You know, I, I used to play golf quite a lot, and I'm, uh, you know, I, was, I was quite good. I've tried playing it recently, and I'm rubbish, yeah? Because I haven't practiced for, for a number of years. Um, I occasionally get some right, but, but generally, and they call a test, aren't you? That, that um, you know, generally they go, all over, they go all over the place. It's very inconsistent. So, you know, if we don't practice stuff, it dies. So this is just, just uh, reality. But it is that if we keep going, we will be given in abundance. God will provide for us in abundance. In verse 15 there of, of this, this scripture, it, um, it says that there's the offer for people to turn, to repent, to turn back and to receive the offer of healing and of salvation. And we are in the business, aren't we, of offering people second chances. We're offering people the chance to turn round, the chance to, um, to be uh, whatever you know, whatever the Father wants them to be. There's a, there's a chance of restoration. There's a chance of redemption. Um, one, of the, one of the novelists I like is, um, is a novelist called Anne Tyler. And um, because she always writes about redemption. There's always a redeeming uh, of the individuals concerned in the books, or pretty well, I think, always. So any of you who have read her, I would just encourage that, yeah? But it's about redemption. We offer redemption. We offer the chance for second chances to people. And, um, and that's what Jesus is saying here. If you, you know, quoting Isaiah, he's saying, if you turn, then I'll heal you. Then I'll let you see. Then you will understand. But it's only through turning and repenting, is, is the technical term that we use, um, and that we can receive forgiveness, that we can have our eyes opened, that we can have our deafness healed, we can have our dumbness healed, we can come and, uh, and be restored and start to be and start to move into that abundance that God wants for us. Finally, Jesus said how blessed they were. We, we, should, we should not, in verse 17, this is, he, he says, how blessed are your eyes because they see. How, how blessed are your ears because they hear. And how many, you know, many people in the past long to see what you see, and this is talking to his disciples, long to see what you see but didn't. We, we live in a time when we perceive things that Old Testament, you know, people before Jesus just dreamt of. We have a record of it. We have stories about it. We are an incredibly, incredibly privileged people. And, and blessed, you remember the Beatitudes talks about blessed, you know, blessed are the poor, blessed are the meek, you know, blessed are the peacemakers. How happy we should be. How happy we should be. If, we, if we've had this revealed to us, if we see, and the only way to understand is to start seeing, if we see we are in an incredibly, incredibly privileged position and we take it for granted, don't we? We take it for granted. And, and I would say, let's, let's live in the, the abundance of that privilege that we have. I just want to finish by, by, um, by saying, 
it's not about creating a barrier between us who believe and those who, who, who don't. It's, um, you know, we are privileged. We know the, great, you know the greatest secret in history. I often say we've, you know, we've, we've got the greatest secret in history here and we're keeping it secret. <laughs> we keep, you know, we're keeping it to ourselves. And we must start, uh, start sharing it because mysteries are to, to be revealed. God is to be revealed to people. So let's keep telling our stories and make things um, tangible and concrete to people. Because it's only our experiences that will help them to see that this is real. Yeah? We can tell them till we're blue in the face. But, but it's, it's only what you've experienced. And I just list a few things. You know, if we build a story of, a kingdom, of the kingdom, things you can do. To, to, to tell your story, to tell these stories. It's stories of your healing. You've there's loads of people here who've received healing. Tell other people about it. Tell who did it. There's, there's peace that we have. Many, many people, people are everywhere searching for, for hope and a future, aren't they? Let's talk about the peace that we have, that how we get that peace and where that peace comes from. Uh, and what it looks like, and how it feels. And, you know, let's describe these things for, for people. Um, how you're encouraged. How you're encouraged to keep going. How you're encouraged to move, move forward. How you're encouraged not to give up. You know, many of us, we, we do something and then we give up. How are we encouraged to, uh, to, to press on? We can do this between the in the, within the family and outside of the family. Talk about family life. What difference does, does Jesus make to your family life? You know, uh, what, what difference does it make to your relationship with your children? How, you know, we start where people are to take them to where, we ought, where they ought to be. Let's help those families. We've got great courses going on here. You know, I know where, I've been to the, to the parenting course. I know where Helen shares examples. The, the most powerful thing, I think, Helen, in that course is the examples. Anna might not think this, but, but there are examples of of how her children, you know, have, have behaved. And let's not be, um, you know, and how she's dealt with them, actually. It's all right. Generally, you, you came out quite well, actually. <laughs> Better than Naomi. No, no. <laughs> but um, but let's, you know, let's share those. Let's, let's share the, the pains and the disappointments as well as the, the good things as well. You know, the, the reason we go through suffering and disappointment is so that we can relate to the rest of humanity. Yeah? If, if, it's, you know, if we have no empathy with people, we have no right to talk into their, into their lives. And that's why we get people who've been healed from various you know, illnesses and diseases to pray with other people. You know, they are the ones who can relate to them. So when, you, you know, when things are hard, and most, a lot of the parables talked about things being hard, things being difficult um, you know let's let's see that as an opportunity yeah I can talk to people about heart operations and do regularly and about recovery and how you know how things get better um, but only because I've been through it if I did it in theory it would be what do you know um, jobs how does how does faith impact on our jobs what stresses and strains have we had at work? Where, where, where have we found victory? Where have we found difficulty? Um, 
you know, and talk about the struggles. Talk about where we are. We need to start where people are at. We need to relate to people in our stories. Start with where they're at. You know, if they're talking to you about an illness and you've had it, then let's, let's start there. But we're starting where they are in order to take them to where they ought to be. And the stories help to inspire them to say, it's possible, you can get here. That's why Jesus told stories. That's why we tell stories.